My name's John Redmond, and I'm the associate pastor at First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. And I want to thank you for listening to Peace by Believing today. On our program today, we're going to be thinking about the most important topic that we could possibly think about, and that is how to be right with God. How can we go to heaven when we die? How can we be saved? How can we have our sins forgiven? Now, that is the most important question in all of the world. I'm reminded of a passage of scripture in the book of Acts where uh, the apostle Paul was in jail. He had been arrested for his faith in Jesus Christ and he was in prison. He and a friend of his named Silas and one night around midnight the Bible says they were singing songs of praise to God and just thanking God and worshiping God for how wonderful he was even though they were going through some very difficult circumstances. And the Bible says about midnight that there was an earthquake and all of a sudden their chains came off and they could just run out of that prison if they would have wanted to. They'd been set free by God. And the jailer, the guard there of that particular prison in Philippi said to Paul and Silas, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He asked the most important question that any human being could ever ask. He was asking how he could have his sins forgiven, how he could go to heaven when he died, how he could be right with God. And he had seen in Paul and Silas's life something that was very different. They were probably the only prisoners he had ever been guarding who were singing songs of praise and worship to God, even in the midst of those dire circumstances. And so when he asked that question, what must I do to be saved? He got a very good answer because Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. The jailer asked a great question and Paul gave a great answer. He said, the way to be saved and the way to go to heaven when you die is to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Now, if we went throughout the streets of your city, whatever city you live in, or if we went throughout the streets of the city that I live in, our church is in Pasadena, Texas. Our city has about 150,000 people living in it. We're just southeast of Houston. And if we were to go through the streets of Pasadena today or through the streets of your city and ask people, how do you think you can go to heaven when you die? How can you have your sins forgiven? We would get a lot of interesting answers to that question. I think, first of all, some people would say, well, I believe that the way you go to heaven when you die is you just try to live a good life. You just try to be a, a moral person, treat people right, do the right thing. And I think there are a lot of people who sincerely believe that at the end of life, when we all stand before God to be judged, that somehow if if our good deeds have outweighed our bad deeds, that somehow God is going to just open up the gates of heaven and say, come on in. You've lived a good life. You've lived a moral life. You've helped people. You've been good to people. You have obeyed the, uh, the laws that I've given in the Bible. And so come on into heaven. The problem with that answer is, first of all, it's wrong. But the reason it's wrong is because the Bible uh, teaches that you can't go to heaven by being good. In fact, the scripture says, by the works of the law, 
no flesh shall be justified in God's sight. The only way that a person could go to heaven by being good is if that person was perfect. Now, if you live a perfect life and never sin, then I suppose you could just go to heaven on your own goodness, but there's no such person like that. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So the only perfect person is Jesus Christ. He lived on this earth for 33 years. He never sinned, never said anything wrong, never did anything wrong. He never even thought anything wrong. He lived a perfect life. None of us have done that. We have sinned. I have sinned. The Bible says we've all sinned. We have fallen short of God's standard. And so even if we do a thousand good things, even if somehow we could draw a line in the sand and from this day forward live a perfect life, we still have all the sins that we've done in the past, all the things that we've done wrong that must be paid for. The Bible says the payment for sin is death. And that's serious business. That's bad news. Nobody wants to have to die to pay for their sins, and yet that's what the Scripture says, the wages of our sin is death. In other words, sins have to be paid for, so a lot of good things could never cancel out all the bad things that we have done, and yet I think that a lot of sincere, genuine, Good people really think that if they'll just live a good enough life, one day God will let them go to heaven. But friend, that is so wrong and it's so deceptive because none of us have ever lived or ever could live a life that good. There are other people, if we were to go up and down the streets of of the city where I live, the city where you live, and say, hey, how do you think a person goes to heaven when he dies? Some would say, well, I believe the answer there is you just need to be a religious person. You need to be serious about God. You need to join a church, or you need to be baptized, or you need to be confirmed. You need to take communion. Uh, You need to go confess your sins to a pastor or to a priest. But you just need to be a religious person. You need to be devout. And there are a lot of people who are very religious and who think, or at least they hope, that they're saved They hope that their sins are forgiven. They hope one day when they die that they'll go to heaven and they'll be with God forever. And yet the fact is, uh, you don't go to heaven by being religious. All through the scripture, we read about religious people who thought they were going to heaven by being religious until God confronted them with the truth of the fact that they too had sins in their lives and those sins must be paid for. In the Gospel of John, in chapter number 3, we read a story about a very religious man. His name was Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee, and the Pharisees were the most religious people who lived in Jesus' time. And he kept the law. He went to uh, the temple to worship regularly. He was a very religious man. There were many uh, good things he did in his life, and yet One day he was talking, or actually one night he was talking to Jesus about salvation and about eternal life. And Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless a person is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And he was saying to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, as good as your life has been, as admirable as your religious traits and your religious zeal is, You can never go to heaven that way. You could never be good enough and you could never be religious enough. You must be born again. There has to be an experience where you receive 
uh, Jesus Christ by faith into your heart. And so being religious is not the way to get to heaven. The the new birth is the only way that any of us can go to heaven. We've all been born once, but in order to be saved, we have to be born twice. We have to have an experience with Jesus Christ where he, by the person of the Holy Spirit, comes to live in our heart where he forgives our sins and where he makes us a Christian. Now, after we've been saved, we should go to church. We should be baptized. We should take communion. We should do lots of good things. But those things are not things we do in order to be saved. Those are things we do after we've been saved to show our love and appreciation for God. And so at that point, it gets back to motive. So we have to ask ourselves, why do I go to church? Why am I trying to do good deeds? Why am I giving to the poor? Why am I doing these things? Is it so that I can be accepted by God? Because if that's our motive... We've got it backwards and things are all messed up. Whereas if we have been born again, if we've received Jesus into our heart and he's changed our life, then all of a sudden we want to do those things out of gratitude to God and appreciation to him just to be obedient and just to show our love for him and our love for others. And then there are other people out there. If we were to ask them, how do you go to heaven when you die? I think they would say something like this. They would say, the most important thing is just to be sincere. It doesn't really matter if, uh, you know, which religion you observe. It doesn't matter if you are a Christian or if you're a Buddhist or if you're a Muslim or if you're a Hindu or whatever the religion might be. I think there are a lot of people who say the way you go to heaven is just to be sincere in your faith. Well, that sounds good and it sounds so inclusive, but the problem is it's just wrong. You don't go to heaven by being sincere. There are a lot of things in my life that I have done. I was sincere about those things, but I was sincerely wrong. And so just because you're sincere, uh, that doesn't mean that you're right with God. You don't go to heaven by being uh, sincere. You go to heaven by having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, that's what I want us to think about on the program, how can we be right with God? Now, the Bible answer to that question, as I've already said, is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, to trust Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so we're saved by God's grace through our faith. So we put our faith We transfer our faith from ourselves to Jesus Christ, and we do that. When we do that, we are saved. Now, in the book of James, and if you have your Bible today, you might want to open it to James chapter number 2, and we read a passage of Scripture here that is quite interesting, and it appears to imply that faith in Christ is not enough for our salvation, that there must be something more. James is writing here, and in James chapter 2 and verse 20, he says, Do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? So the Bible teaches that faith without works is dead. Verse 21, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? And so James says, Hey, you need to understand, 
faith without works is dead, and there is a sense in which Abraham was justified when he offered his son Isaac. So James is saying, in other words, uh, Abraham was justified by his works and not just by his faith. Now, you read that, you think, aha, aha, there it is. Even the Bible says that faith alone is not enough. We must add some works to our faith. Well, in Romans chapter number 3, I want you to listen to this verse. And in verse number 28, the Apostle Paul says it this way. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Now, when you compare those two passages of Scripture, it appears that the Bible is contradicting itself. James says a man is saved by faith and works. Paul says, no, a man is justified by faith apart from works. And so a skeptic or somebody who doesn't believe the Bible or is trying to cast doubt on the Bible says, there you have it. Paul says you're saved by faith alone. James says, no, you're justified by faith plus works. Well, on today's program, I want to play an excerpt of a sermon that my dad preached. He's the senior pastor at our church here in Pasadena. And he preached this sermon some time back. And we have just cut out part of what was a much longer sermon, but we've cut out the part where he's dealing with what James said and what Paul said about justification. Paul said we're justified by faith alone. James said we're justified by faith and works. And so I want you to hear this part of his sermon, and then I'll be back and we'll wrap it up at the end. And I'm praying that as you hear what he has to say, that God will use his words to help you to understand that salvation, true salvation, is by faith alone in Christ alone. But if our faith is genuine and if our faith is real, our faith will never be alone. There will be works that follow it. And I'm hoping what he says today will clarify what appears to be a contradiction in the Bible, but we know that the Bible has no contradictions. The Bible just has one clear message. The truth is James was making one point. Paul was making another point. So let's listen to what my dad has to say, and I hope it'll be a blessing to you. Now look with me in James chapter 2. I want to show something very quickly. In James chapter 2, verse 24, we're thinking about living our faith as evidenced by good works. Now look what James says. You see then that a man is justified by works. Now there it is. This is why Martin Luther, the great reformer, thought the book of James should be ripped out of the Bible. He said, James teaches contrary to everything Paul ever taught. Paul taught we're justified by our faith. Now look at it in verse 24. James says, you see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Now put your bulletin where we are, please, because we're coming back. And turn back with me to Romans chapter 3. I want to show you what Paul had to say. You need to mark these verses. Romans chapter number 3. And uh, when you get there, look in verse number 28, Romans chapter 3, verse 28. Now, this is Paul. This is why Luther thought James was wrong. It says, therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith. Now, James said a man's justified by works. Paul says a man's justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Now, go back, if you will. In James, I want us to understand what is happening here. Uh, if, if, if you look, 
back in verse 21, James chapter 2, verse 21, James says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Now, that's in Genesis chapter 22. But remember, Abraham, in an Old Testament sense, was saved back in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. Now, when, when Paul talks about being justified by faith, he's talking about salvation. You see, God has x-ray vision. Don't miss this. God can see your heart. I can't see your heart. No one can see your heart except God. God has x-ray vision. God can see your heart. Now, when James says a man is justified by works, uh, he's talking about uh, what men can see. See, we can't see a person's heart, but we can see a person's life. And so Paul is talking about salvation. James is talking about how a saved person lives his or her own life. Then he uses in verse 25, Rahab. He says, likewise was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messages and sent them out another way. Justification to Paul was how to be saved. Justification to James was how a saved person is to live. You see, we're justified by faith alone, but faith that justifies or faith that saves is never alone. Boy, don't miss that. We're justified by faith alone. That's how we're saved. But the faith that justifies us to be saved is never a faith that will be alone. What I'm saying is God can see your heart. Men and women see your life. They see what you do. They see what I do. You can't look in my heart, but you can see the works. You can see obedience as others can do likewise in your life. Now, this morning, some of you need to be justified by faith. In other words, you need to be saved. That's what Paul was talking about. What Paul was talking about is the root of faith. What James is talking about is the fruit of faith. Some of you this morning, God in his x-ray vision looks in your heart and there you are without Christ. You may have religion, you may have church membership, but you've never been born again. And so you need this morning to be justified by faith. You need to be saved. Others this morning, you're already saved. You need to be justified by works. You say, what do you mean? Well, we saw it earlier in the baptistry. That beautiful, beautiful picture we saw of that smile on her face this morning. She was justified already by faith. She was already saved. But what did we do? We saw her works. We saw a result. We saw the fruit. Some of you today need to be baptized as was she. You can come this morning. When you come, now God has x-ray vision. He already knows your heart. But when people see you coming forward, people can look and they can see you. What do they see? They see your faith of works. They can see how that faith is working out in your life. Well, I hope what my dad shared today was helpful and a blessing to you. And it seems 
uh, at least to me, it kind of explains the, uh, uh, the seeming conundrum that we have where Paul is saying you're justified by faith and James is saying you're justified by works. They were not in contradiction. They were just emphasizing different points. Paul was explaining how to be saved and James was saying if you have been saved, there will be works that will follow your salvation and those works will demonstrate to others that you are truly saved. And so our works are not the basis of our salvation. Our works really are the proof of our salvation. They're the demonstration. Keep in mind what Jesus said. He said, by their fruit, you will know them. In other words, you should be able to know who is truly saved by how they live their lives. Not a perfect life. That's not the standard. None of us are perfect. But when you look at a Christian's life, you should be able to see love and joy and peace. You should be able to see kindness and patience. And you should be able to see a person who loves God and who, when they do mess up, they're quick to ask for forgiveness. They're quick to repent. Those of us who are truly saved, sometimes uh, maybe we spend extra time apologizing to God and apologizing to others and and just saying, hey, I want to do everything I can to make situations as right as they can possibly be. So the fact is we're saved by God's grace through faith. If we will put our faith in Jesus Christ, then we'll be saved. Now, here's what the devil will do. Remember this, the devil is the deceiver. The devil is the confuser. The devil is the liar. And so the devil always wanting unsaved people to stay unsaved, and then after somebody gets saved, what does he want to do to Christians? He wants to confuse us. He wants to make us wonder if we are truly saved. And so he's always trying to plant doubts in our minds. And one of the things the devil will do is he will come to a Christian and he will say, okay, you say you're saved because you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ. But how do you know your faith is strong enough? How do you know your faith is sincere enough? How do you know your faith is the real thing? In fact, the devil will say, hey, even the Bible says that the demons believe and you know the demons aren't saved. And so now you're saying you believe. How do you know your faith is the real thing? You see, when the devil comes to us, he always has just enough truth in his lies to make the lies fly. It is true, the Bible says the demons believe. We know that demons are not saved. What does the Bible mean? It means that the demons believe in God in their head, but the demons have never committed their lives to Jesus Christ. They've never repented of their sins and they've never sought forgiveness. And so the devil will sometimes say, well, how do you know your faith is strong enough? You have questions, you have doubts. How do you know it's real? Friend, when the devil comes to you playing that game, here's what you need to say to him. You need to say, devil, I am trusting Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. I have placed my faith in Him. But devil, I want to be clear on this. I'm not trusting my faith. I'm not putting faith in my faith. I'm putting faith in Jesus Christ. You see, I would rather have a little bit of faith in Jesus Christ than a lot of faith in anybody else. The fact is we're not saved by 
having perfect faith. We're not saved by the amount of faith that we have. We're saved by the object of our faith. And so today, if you're listening, you may say, I don't think I have a lot of faith. I, I have more questions and doubts than I do faith. I just have a little mustard seed faith. That's okay. Jesus said, if you have a mustard seed faith, that's all the faith you need. Because you're not saved by the size of your faith. You're saved by the object of your faith. And so if you'll take the faith that you have and put it in Jesus Christ, asking Him, you can ask Him right now, Lord, save me. And then after you ask Him, say, Lord, I'm trusting you to do it with all my heart. If you'll do that, friend, you'll be saved. And what's going to happen now that you're right with God, now that you've put your faith in Jesus, you're going to begin to serve Him and your life's going to have a lot of good fruit. And so I'm praying that this program has been a blessing to you and I'm praying that you will be with us next week on Peace by Believing as we continue to grow in our relationship with God. Peace by Believing is an extension of the ministry of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. If you would like more information on how you can have peace with God, go to our website, peacebybelieving.org, and click on the Spiritual Growth tab. If you've received God's peace today by trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at peacebybelieving.org. Thank you for listening today, and we pray that you have a blessed week.